Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a clinician, military spouse, and advocate, and my co-host for this season is Sarah Foster, a first responder spouse, mom, and homesteader. Join us for season seven, where we invite you into honest conversation about life, family, and home. So grab that cup of coffee or head out for a walk. It's time to reconnect with what matters most. Through all the storms I'm by your side Through days of warmth I'm by your side Like the stars and the moon in the nighttime sky I'm by your side Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and my co-host, Sarah Foster, and we are going to talk all about this idea of being proactive instead of reactive, and we're going to break all of that down, but again, this whole season is about reconnection, reconnecting to whatever it is in your season of life that you need to reconnect to, especially after a couple of really difficult years, whatever that means to you, and so as Sarah and I talked about this season and what it means to reconnect with yourself or in your marriage or in your family or um, maybe even reconnect with community, um, there's barriers that that I think keep us from reconnecting with other people. And sometimes I think it's because we've become a very reactive culture for sure. Um, but maybe being reactive is something that's really present in your life as well. And so Sarah and I were talking a lot about this. And um, Sarah, I'm going to ask you to share a little bit of um, where this was for you, especially coming from a first responder lifestyle. You guys went through a lot, especially with racial riots happening. And then it was all in the news and it was just everywhere. And then just, it felt like everybody was reacting to new information constantly. And I think that's why we kind of started talking about this is that this lifestyle can be so challenging. We find ourselves reacting most of the time and then maybe processing, why did I react that way? Is that really the way that I want to to react? And do I want to be somebody who's reactive in general? So um, Sarah, welcome again. Thank you for co-hosting with me this season. So glad you're here. Why don't you say hi? And then let's talk a little bit about like, where did this come from for you, this idea of being reactive and why you had this thought about what would it actually look like for me to be instead proactive? Yeah. Hello. Um, I I think <laughs> it's kind of two parts. There were, hello. There were hello. two things that... Um, kind of, it, it goes together, the reactiveness and the proactive. So the reactive part, honestly, I don't even recall now um, the particular scenario, or I just can see where I was standing. I was standing by the stove in the kitchen and I just reacted to something that my son had said. And I remember thinking after that interaction, I was like, you know, I, cause what started was like, I'm with them all the time. I'm by myself, blah, blah, blah. Like I was like justifying my actions and they weren't like super out of line, but I just sounded annoyed. And I noticed that like, that's what they were asking me all the time. Are you mad? And I'm like, no, I'm not. But I was just like carrying this almost like just disposition of like wearing the weight of the world on my shoulders and like always keeping that in. And then justifying a lot of times of like, well, I am with them all the time and I am doing this. And, and while those may be like valid points, they, they can only go so far before they just become excuses. 
Um, it's like this fine line that I think we have to learn to dance of yes, giving ourselves grace. But then I had noticed that through having to give myself so much grace in the last few years, I was really just giving myself a bunch of justification for poor mm. behavior, you know? And so, um, but the second part kind of came with after an incident where, um, we had had an incident. Um, Kenny had had an incident at work and involved a lot of the team. Um, it was pretty, it was very serious and very stressful. And it happened like they always happen where you're just, you know, I don't, I don't really, I wouldn't describe myself as someone who like lives with my guard up every day. Like is today, the day something bad's going to happen. Um, but there are times where you just kind of like, you're not thinking about it. And so we were driving, um, the boys and I had just left the car wash and I, I got a phone call from Kenny, not a big deal, answered it and had him on speakerphone said hello and like got a mouthful. And I was like, hold on, like, let me take you off speaker <laughs> because I could tell instantly like the tone in his voice and the way he was talking that like, I needed to be the filter for my kids of like, whatever was about to, I was about to hear. And so for the next couple of days, as the event unfolded, it become, it became this big thing of like, it's your turn, not my turn. And that was me doing that of like, he didn't get home. You know, that was like four in the afternoon. He didn't get home till almost four in the morning when he did. It was, it was his turn. I felt like to like, tell me and like process. And so then the next morning he was trying to give me my turn, but I was like, you don't want what's in my head. Like, you know, like, so I was just trying to be like, you know, I, I think I'm just going to hold it in. And we actually did end up having a good conversation, but really though, it just, the point I'm trying to make is it deeply affected me that day. And I found myself like, I just could not function well. And I kept thinking, like, we talk about community and we talk about what do we need? And I just kept thinking, I just need someone to bring me dinner. Like I can't even think like to make meals. And so you and I were talking about that. And, and that's where the proactive part came on. It's like, why do I live my life as if these things aren't going to happen. I think it's because I don't want them to, mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, but they are going to happen like, and they have happened. And so what are some things that I can do, um, proactively to just help set me up a little bit better? Um, if that means taking things off my plate or take, you know, making head dinners or whatever, but that's where it really started to show like, okay, there's a difference between everything that comes to me. I'm just going to say whatever comes to my head, justify it with how hard things are and be frustrated versus, okay, how do I slow down mm -hmm. and, and think before I act? And so that's kind of where I started realizing, you know, I've spent the last two years letting things just be really thrown at me and then just throwing back at them. And that's just not a sustainable way to live. I don't want well, to be that kind of person. I, mean, I think that's key. And that is you find yourself in a place where it's, where you say to yourself, I don't, do I want to be this person? And I know as you were talking, I think about, you know, adaptability is way low for me. Um, and so I don't react well to his surprises. Um, <clears throat> I don't react well to really big new changes, which <laughs> for a military spouse happens all the time. So I end up, if I'm not careful, I end up like in this constant state of stress or this constant place of shock sometimes of like, why, <laughs> why have I not accepted the fact that every new PCS is going to feel like a surprise? Like we never get exactly what you want, right? Um, it's never going to look exactly the way that you want things to look when you get there. And 
I also can find myself in a place of just reacting, not just in the lifestyle of having reactions that I wish that I could react better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, I give, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt in my life. Um, and so people and relationships, bad behavior always is surprising to me. I always react like strongly. I'm like, why am I so shocked by this? Like, why am I not expecting people to be flawed? Right? Like yes, that I, can sometimes throw me too. So yeah. I think that where Sarah and I want you guys to, those of you who are listening, maybe to a place to start is just where do you tend to find yourself reacting, you know, reacting more, um, than you would want to, um, or do you look at like a, a certain area of your life? Like I'm saying, let's say just with the military lifestyle where I don't necessarily want to react that way all the time. Like I want to react in a better way, or is there a way for me to proactively prepare myself so I don't feel like I'm constantly in reaction mode? And I, I feel like, you know, Sarah, you could speak more about this than even I could, but the, over the last two years, it feels like there was something to react to every day. You know, it was like the pending doom of lockdown, you know, and then it's like reacting to every new bit of information. And then it's reacting to, are we getting vaccines or not? And then it's reacting to what everybody thinks about those vaccines. And then it's, then there's like politics coming into play and, and, um, voting and there's there's so much happening in the world and then everybody's disagreeing and there's divisiveness and there's areas you can react to on that. And then are you on this side or that side? And from my perspective, it felt like all the information that was coming at me, um, it's one of the reasons why I needed to kind of take a break and, and learn to maybe turn off or turn down the world just a little bit is I just felt like I was in constant reaction mode to every new news story I was waking up to. It was something to react to. And mm-hmm somehow form an opinion about. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I know for you as a first responder spouse, um, there was a lot to handle and a a lot of pressure of react or don't react. I mean, I can, I can only imagine what it's like to be a first responder, like your husband, where like how you react gets you in trouble or not. Like the constant regulation that has to happen in you, on how you choose to react or respond to any given situation, I know was also stressful. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's true. Like trying to, I remember that's actually, you know, during the the riots, I had reached out to you because I'm like, I'm drowning. Like I'm, I'll, how, however much costs, just talk to me because I need something because I was trying to do all those things. I was trying to turn down the world. And then like my deodorant is emailing me about it. And I'm like, what the bleep? Like, like, I just need, like, I'm trying to turn it down. Like, just so I can think, um, for a moment, you know, and not because I, in the, and the way I recognized that I wasn't doing well is I was with my kids, but I wasn't with them. Like my mind was so gone. And I was like, I don't know what to do because I've shut everything down to the best that I can, but it's like just overload. But in reality though, like, I think everyone can find a situation in the last two years that, you know, some more than others that really just kind of sucked them in and like, has been really hard because I think it's even being presented as such of Mm -hmm. like, what's your reaction? And, you know, I could get into a big, like deep rooted thing of like, this is in some ways what I feel like social media has bred in us that we don't think we just spout, we just spout what our opinion is. Mm-hmm. We just spout what our feelings are. And, you know, there's, again, it's always this fine line of like, you don't 
um, negate your feelings, but operating all the time out of your feelings and calling that your authentic self. Like, Oh, I'm just being real. Like, you know, that's not, that's not productive, you know, like, and I want to be someone who, you know, and like I said, that seed was really planted with, in how I was reacting with my kids is I want to be someone that, um, considers like before I open my mouth, which I think some of us are better at that in general, like that's probably just a, maybe an extroverted thing or external processor thing. You know, there is a point that I, I can't hold it all in. Mm-hmm. But that's just it though. I had to realize what am I holding in? I'm holding in like a bunch of the weight of the world. And so then anytime yeah. someone acts out of line, yeah. it's like knocking the cup over. Like it like nudges me and I'm already full of just all this like vitriol. And then it just spills out. And I just mm-hmm. don't want to live like that mm-hmm. anymore. Like, you know, and it does, it's not to say that I won't find myself there again at some point. I think it's an evidence of saying, I don't think you can just resolve to never be reactive. Um, because again, that's the, that's the balance in the dance too of, you know, I looked at the definition of like reaction and it's an action performed or a feeling experienced in response to a situation or event. And so it's not that you're not going to react and that almost might be the wrong way of like phrasing it. It's not no reaction. It's trying to pick the best reaction. Um, and giving others that grace too, you know? No, that's a wonderful way to say it because you're right. We're not trying to numb ourselves out so, so that we're never reacting at all. Um, and just to bring this home a little bit, um, I, I think there is a lot of reacting to things outside of the home for sure. For Matt and I, there was, I would say in the last year, not only were we dealing with the impact of external things on our family in the home, we didn't even realize it, but there was something every day to react to inside the home, right? Mm-hmm. If it wasn't one kid, it was the other kid. And if both of the kids were fine, it was something with me. And if I was fine, it was something with Matt. Like every day, somebody had something going on that we found ourselves having these adrenaline spikes every day of like, who's having a bad day? How does that impact everybody else? Um, and it didn't feel like for a long time, we had like a solid couple of days of everything having like a peace and a calm around it where everybody could settle down and just be okay. And I can only imagine what that's like for those of you who are dealing with medical issues or your children has medical issues. And there's some very real things to react to. So we're not saying that we shouldn't ever react at all. I think what Sarah and I wanted to do is sometimes reconnecting with yourself and finding your peace and finding like recentering yourself sometimes means you have to evaluate, well, what is, what is, um, what's the word encroaching? Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a word, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but like, what is, I feel it's, it's like this thing that's like encroaching or like surrounding you on all sides, tempting you to want to react. And it's how do I reclaim the territory around me? How do I reclaim the territory in myself? And what can I do proactively so that when these things happen, I don't feel like I am constantly having an adrenaline spike and a reaction or to your point that I'm so full of all these things that I don't want to say out loud because I've been storing up resentment and hurt and whatever, that as soon as something happens, it's spilling out and I'm becoming somebody that I don't want to be. 
Mm-hmm. So I think as we talk th- about this, let's just kind of talk about like, what's the point of reaction in the first place? And first of all, I think we've already mentioned, it's okay to react. I think the really, the b- question here is when can reacting be um, unhealthy? So like overreacting, um, which is what most people think of when you feel like you're in a reactive place or a reactive state in your life, like we've just described, but there's also such a thing as underreacting. So I don't know if Sarah, if you have an example of underreacting, but like, I mean, I myself, I'm not much of an underreactor. (laughs) (laughs) Let me say from this perspective then, because I'm typically an introvert. um, And I would say I tend to be a little bit more regulated in my reactions compared to other people. And so sometimes I'm beating myself up because I didn't react fast enough. Um, And I see this playing out as a mom, especially with like the school system. That's the easiest way I can describe where, and, and I don't know how many times I've with the school, like there's been something going on with a teacher and it's, I'm debating, like, should I get involved? Should I not get involved? Should I just let trust the school to handle it? I don't want to be like one of those moms, you know? And, (laughs) and so sometimes I can tend to underreact or do nothing. I, I can't tell you what's the right thing to do for you and your child, but when I look back on my parenting, especially with the school system, there were plenty of situations where I underreacted. There was plenty of situations where I pr- I could have said something and it wouldn't have made me that annoying mom that's storming the castle. Like what my what my child really needed from me was to be an advocate for them. And I was so kind of concerned about what other people were going to think of me that I didn't advocate in a timely fashion. But that can be really hard if you don't know, like what's the proper way to react? What's the proper way to advocate? What's the, what are the proper words to say? Um, How do I manage my emotions so that I'm not overreacting? And so I think there's a temptation for some of us to just underreact, maybe overly trust, maybe um, give people that benefit of the doubt. And so we do nothing is maybe an example of underreacting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Cause I, yeah, I, I agree. And I can, and when you put it like that, I'm like, God, I can see those things, um, for sure to play. And I think in times as a mom, um, similarly of like, you know, when we had a NICU situation with my first son and that one was really difficult because I was 25. I still felt, sometimes I still feel like a kid on the inside. Like it's like a big, like fraud. Like what is she doing? Like playing house, <laughs> but like, um, but like back then, like, it was like, Oh, I just, listen to everybody. I just let everybody just tell me, you know, and there were times where like, I should have stepped in and advocated better for our son. And I think Kenny felt similarly, like he should have advocated better for me and our son and trying to walk through, especially like big moments like that, where you feel like you failed, you know, because you were like, well, that they're the so-and-so and and I don't want to be this person. And, you know, and finding the root in that. And I'm like, I feel like as I've gotten older, especially we talked about this before of like people pleasing in previous episodes. I mean, listen to what I'm saying. Like, well, I don't want to be perceived as fill in the blank. And it's like, you know, people are going to perceive you how they're going to perceive you. So you need to do what is right. Despite that, you know what I mean? Like in a, in a controlled manner. Cause then like, again, like that throttle goes into like overreactive. So do we start like, you know, pulling cords and flipping like NICU beds? No, like, you know, like, and so you got to, how do you speak truth 
in a calm way in a, in a, you know, appeal to just, I guess, standing up without tipping it, you know, like into like storming the castle or coming on too aggressively. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, the truth is we have gotten pretty deep into society at this point where most of us come from broken families. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's so far in the past of like, I live in like a frame of work of like the Waltons. Like if I could make my life the Waltons, like I would. And so I'm always like looking at a little house on the prairie. Like I'm like, of course, like where is Ma and Pa? Like that is like, and who are these people? And like just the, all the things that you can learn so well from a healthy family that most of us don't have like going into things as adults. And then unfortunately propagate to our children you know, and so it's like, I think as a society as a whole, we don't know fully that line. We don't know. And that's where you see, I think, so much conflict. Yeah. Such a great point of what we put out there versus what's reality, you know, that no family is perfect and and we're not perfect and we're not going to get it right. So, you know, I think let's talk about like, why would we react poorly in the first place? Like what fuels, we, we have already talked about that reacting is normal. It's like impossible, especially if something is a surprise, um, especially if you weren't expecting it. Um, I think that's why we, most of the time, if we're reacting poorly, I have a feeling it's because it is a surprise or it's a shock to our system. Or I do see in strengths work a lot um, that we react poorly because we have a framework within our strengths that when the other person does something that just does not make sense to us, and like a belief is a huge example. Um, those that have belief in their strengths, they are motivated to get things done out of a right, wrong, black, white, good, evil mentality. We see a lot of belief showing up in first responders. Makes sense, right? Like if, if I'm motivated to see the world in a right, wrong, black, white, just, unjust, it's a perfect job for me, right? <laughs> I, if you're doing the right thing, I'm going to leave you alone. If you're doing the wrong thing, you're going to jail or whatever, right? Like there's justice involved. There's legal. It's very black and white. So I see a lot of times for people with the strength of belief that because they are so fueled by their values that in marriage, I'll see a lot of times when the spouse does something like something as big as betrayal, um, that's, that really goes against those morals, really goes against those values that the spouse with belief has the most difficult time working to a place of healing because they have been it's so hard to look at that person and go, how could you? I would never, like I could never. So I think that there are times that we react not just because it's a surprise, but also because the other person in that relationship, this doesn't have to be just marriage. It can be anyone, right? Does something or acts in such a way that we would never we could never, or so we react out of a place of like, this doesn't make sense. And so I think sometimes it is a misunderstanding. It is, um, I don't understand you. And so I'm going to kind of label you, judge you, something must be wrong with you. And so we react in that way too, trying to figure out now, how do I live in respect to you while I misunderstand you. And so that's like such an incongruence and it's so confusing to go through that we can find ourselves in a very reactive place, trying to adjust to the new information that we cannot understand. 
So I know that was a kind of lengthy explanation, but I feel like that's what's happening a lot of times in our relationships outside of our home, for sure. Definitely in marriage can happen too. But a lot of times when we're talking about reacting to people and in relationships, I feel like most of the time it's misunderstanding. It is not understanding what's going on in the other person's world. And then we react to that because we don't have a construct that we can um, accept it and work with it and (laughs) calmly move through it. (laughs) No, I agree. I feel like, you know, even in a parenting perspective, like I'm an only child as a parent, I have a really hard time seeing my kids as kids. So like my standard can be how many times do I have to tell you? Yeah. And now don't get me wrong. There should be like consequence to poor choices, but my framework, like what you were saying needs to be one of teacher. And I'm not even talking about homeschooling. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about life and how to Mm -hmm. act as a human being, as you, you know, grow into adolescence or as you, you know, grow into adulthood, whatever you're headed towards or toddlerhood, whatever. My job as a parent is to help teach you. These are appropriate ways to behave. These are not appropriate ways to behave. This is how you manage your emotions. This is how you communicate. You know, all of these things are teaching opportunities. And when I get in the wrong framework of like how many times or how, or I just look at them like they're an adult, like they're a completely capable, emotionally mature adult. And so I'm like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just cut me to the core with whatever you've said. And, and I'm not giving them like that. So I, I think what, I agree with what you're saying. Like there's a framework there that isn't natural. And that I quickly can deviate from, and I've got to like pull myself back to be like, who am I talking to? Like, yeah. <laughs> What needs to happen here? You know, that's a great example. Okay. So <laughs> reasons why we would react poorly. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's not understanding the other person. And to your point, I think it is sometimes we don't realize we have expectations or standards for those around us that are, are not something that they can fill. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I always knew that as a mom, I would be a better mom to, teen kids or older kids than young children, because I, I similarly, I'm adult, I'm an adult teacher, right? And so I would watch my friends who have early education degrees and they were like the most amazing moms on the floor. And I'm not saying I didn't play with my kids on the floor, but like, they just, they just had a different way of working with small children, a different level of patience. And, and that was something that I struggled with. I had to constantly reframe my mind and remind myself they're five, they're not 15. I have to speak in a different way. So to your point, I think we can react poorly sometimes to situations because we have a, from a parenting perspective, we've got a little five-year-old that's reacting with five-year-old thoughts and emotions. And we have a standard that makes us want to react towards them with an expectation that you shouldn't be acting five, right? (laughs) So I think sometimes we do kind of walk into a situation not realizing that we have a level of expectations or a framework, like you said, that um, may not be accurate or realistic for what's happening around us. And so when something happens, we're going to find ourselves reacting because it's not the way that we would want, which I think goes to the next point that sometimes I think we react poorly out of a fear of not being in control, which is huge, especially well for anybody, but especially for um, what I call support spouses. So those that are married to first responders or um, service members. And so we tend to 
have control of finances and bills and chores and the family schedule and and running the household. And so we kind of have this illusion that we are in control. And so when something happens that makes us feel out of control, we're going to react to that, right? And can I just normalize this here that we are all as human beings built to feel more at peace when we are in control. We are not built to just swim in chaos all the time. (laughs) Like we're just not. So anytime chaos happens, something within us wants to bring order to that chaos. And sometimes we do that by trying to take control of the situation. Sometimes we we do it more productively by calming ourselves first and thinking what's the best strategy for ordering the chaos around me, or do I even have control? So I think that fear of loss of control, I know for me, that's been the biggest struggle in the service lifestyle is being told where we're going to live, where we're going to go, when we're going to go, when he's going to go, <laughs> what I can do, what I can't do, you know? And so after a while, I'm like, this feels so uncomfortable to live in a constant state of chaos and uncertainty. So my reaction is either in frustration, resentment, discouragement. Um, and yet it hasn't changed in 15 years. So why am I surprised when it happens? I know. I know. Well, that's how I feel even like in the call-out lifestyle. Like I've found myself lately. I'm like, why do I still react? I mean, there are, uh, I've gotten better, but I'm like, well, it's the same thing. Like, why am I still acting like this? Like it's not, it doesn't change anything. It makes him leaving 10 times worse because I'm frustrated or whatever. But I think too, like with the, that's what I was going to say. I think that's where it can kind of slip into how proactiveness can benefit us for these times of when it doesn't feel like we have control, because there are some things, I think that having a plan, it's not like foolproof because some things are just going to pull the rug out from under you, but having a plan and knowing what to do helps me stay calmer and helps me feel like I'm in control. So from a parenting position, like if I know, okay, here's some like key behaviors that I'm seeing that um, we need to work on. And then here are the consequences to those choices and the way I'm going to respond sometimes even like with literal, like, cause that's another thing too. We don't always have the language to communicate. A lot of us, you know, we don't know how to communicate well. Um, as far as like, I don't know how, even I, I over communicate in all my flooding. So if I'm flooding with emotion, I'm going to rip you a new one. Like, you know, like, cause I'm not being controlled and it's very eloquent, but it's very destructive. <laughs> like, you know, like not, not fruitful at all. Like, you know, and so, um, so I need sometimes language of like how to reframe questions, how to reframe like speaking, um, And so, you know, if I know, okay, here's the behaviors I'm going to work on. If I see this behavior crop up in my child, then I have this response. Then I'm just more calm when I see it because it's not taking me off guard. Or if I know, okay, there are going to be times that I am just going to be really drained uh, physically because I've been up all night because it was a hard call out emotionally because it's got me questioning what in the world is happening to us. Even if we, you know, survive this physically, are we going to survive it mentally? You know, Mm -hmm. like, so how do then I not go to the next level where then I'll just start feeling sorry for myself because nobody's bringing me dinner. Like, okay, well, you know, I have thought ahead and I have frozen meals downstairs or I have money set aside for pizza. And I'm not even going to think about like, even if in the, you know, 
I'm like, oh, we really shouldn't spend the money, blah, blah, blah. It's not a time to think like that. You know, like I've, I've proactively planned for this to happen, you know? So that can help, I think, I don't know, shrink it down or like ease it a bit. It's not, again, it's not like a remedy, you know, but it can help you. I think if we're talking about order versus chaos, right? I think um, if we're going to have chaos constantly thrown at us because of relationships in life and and that very rarely does life want to, I mean, go out into the woods as, as ordered as it seems like growth and um, trees and the way in which they become like from a little sprig and a seed to a tree. That sounds like there's a lot of order there, but if you go out into the woods where it is chaos, things grow where they want to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Like things spread where they want to spread. Like it is, um, chaos is going to happen. And I think it's natural that it happens. And so I think if we look at this from a perspective of order versus chaos, it will always happen, but how can I, I'm always going to want to bring order as quickly as possible. So I feel like either I have control or there's control and order on the situation. One of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing that we are most afraid of is something happening to the service spouse. So, like death. We are we are afraid of death. Now, compared to civilians, we are more prepared in that we think about it or we at least know that it could happen. Um, most civilians aren't thinking about that if they're commuting into the city and working a desk job, right? So I think that we are more prepared in that we are encouraged to consider powers of attorneys and, and all these different things as you go into the job or go into deployments and that sort of thing. But it still seems to be something that I find, especially for new new spouses or new families entering into the service, a conversation that we just don't want to go there. We don't want to talk about it. And so we, we are aware of it, but we avoid it at all costs. I remember trying to get volunteers to work on a care team. We all knew that if something happened to our soldier, that a care team would be lovely to have. But nobody wants to actually train to be one of those people because to do that means that can actually happen. And I don't want to go there and I don't want to think about it. And I don't want to process it. As we talk about Life Giver being a place for honest conversation, and if we're talking about what's the biggest thing that we're afraid of happening and reacting to and having to face and how would I handle it? I think in the service lifestyle, that's a huge one. Yeah, it is. And I will say it's something that's been on my mind too. It's like, I had this realization just a few weeks ago and I just hinted at it. It's like, you know, if you read, um, emotional survival for law enforcement, it talks about how so much of their training is to train them of like, not if, but when, Mm -hmm. and that's why then you can have a lot of like coming back issues. Like when you're trying to transition to the home, because like their whole worldview is covered, colored by not if, but when, Mm-hmm. And so it's not if a drug deal is going down at the playground, it's when, you know, because mm-hmm. it is happening, like, you know, and so, mm-hmm. but I feel like what, at least what I see, and I know that this can be a little tricky because there are departments and others that can do it really well. But in what I see in my area is the spouse tends to live as God, I hope not. Mm-hmm. Like not if, but when, but God, I hope not. Yeah. And like, there's the, and there is really, I'm, some do well with like having like a, a class in the academy of saying, okay, here's your financials and here's your this and blah, blah, blah. I was never invited to, I, I don't think we had that. Um, but here's the other thing. One, Kenny was, how old were we? 22. 
Okay. It's hard to tell a 22 year old that they're going to die at all. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, he didn't really think to, if that conversation was happening and I would have to ask him, I don't think it was, but if it was, he's not going to really think to bring me in on that. And actually mm-hmm. now that I'm like really remembering, it was his mom that was like, we took out cause we were really poor. I was still in school when we, when we first got married. And so he, she was like, I took out some life insurance on Kenny, just so you guys know, like she did it like, because mm-hmm. we were like, what? Nobody's going to die. You know, like you just, you think like that anyways, when you're that young. Um, and so that's what I've really started to think of like, you know, we don't even have, we don't even have a critical incident plan on the spouse side. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to call for your kids Mm -hmm. for us? Even like the women that have like, um, well, I mean, even Kenny and I needed to have that conversation because I started to tell him, okay, I'm going to get the kids to my parents and then I'm going to get to the hospital. And he's like, I want you to bring the boys with you. And I'm like, I can't handle that. Like, yeah. you, cause I'm just thinking I can't manage them. Yeah. Like in that state, I need them away. Like, yeah. and I think it's me trying to control too. I need to be the filter. I need to decide when my well, kids know what. Okay. So can we pause there for a second? Because <clears throat> you just had the reaction of, I can't uh-huh. handle that. Like I can't, uh-huh. I can't manage myself and the kids at the same time. And it's a good example for us to kind of use for a second as far as a reaction. And it reminds me of the conversation that you and I had about like, you were in that state of stress and you were jokingly, half jokingly saying like, why do we not have meals set up for just bad days? Like I could really use a meal today. Right. And it wasn't a crisis situation, but it brings up a similar question. And that is, here you have two different like situations on how each of you would want to react to that, right? He's saying, I'd like to have the kids there. And you're going, I need to be able to focus on what I need to focus on and not worry about the kids. And so the next question really is, what then, Sarah, I mean, it could be the right decision to not bring them. That's between you and, and Kenny, right? Depending on the situation. However, if it's really important to have the kids there, the next question that helps you be proactive is, okay, if that would be important to him, what could I decide ahead of time um, that would help me manage the kids so that I could be fully present and managing myself and not stressed about the kids? Like, what would I set up so that the kids could come with me? Would I have parents that are going with me and they're watching the kids so that I can not be the sole provider with the kids? Do I have a plan where I take the kids and they follow soon after? Like there are these, what are these baby steps, these things that I can break down um, a possible way that it's, that it can happen instead of, I just can't. Right. And I think that's kind of like the process of how do I make these proactive decisions instead of just saying I can, or I can't, or just I'll figure it out when I get there. It was the same process I walked you through on the the dinners instead of going, it doesn't necessarily have to be all on you to meal prep and I mean, you can make that choice, right? You could have casseroles in your freezer for a bad day, right? But there's also other proactive ways to address when that can happen. Number one, if you have a close group of friends or a book club group or a Bible study group or a church that you're with or whatever, a small group that understands your lifestyle to be able to go. I mean, I think for military families, this is very possible because of the neighborhoods that we live in that are all, especially if you're living on the installation, it's all military families, right? Like being able to go, you know, is there a friend that I could reach out to and say, you know what, today is the day. Are you available? 
Like that could be so helpful, but that's so hard to ask. And we don't want to impose on anybody that we just say, no, it's just all up to me to make my own casseroles and put them in, in the freezer. Right. But it is a proactive choice to go, what is the support around me? And am I actually communicating to other people that, hey, there are other days that don't have to be a solid crisis that I could really use the help and support? Maybe it's not a meal. Maybe it's like, can we exchange taking care of kids so that on a really rough day, I can go for a run or I can just veg out for a minute and just find my composure? Right. There's also, Yes, there's a financial expense in there, but there is also the option of doing like the the meal plans, like the HelloFresh things, right? Like that you have something that you go to that is another option for instead of doing all the work and prepping everything and and exhausting myself and stocking up, that I have this other option where I have the grocery store deliver a meal that's already made or a HelloFresh subscription that's once a month that just proactively gives me the space to think a little bit. Right. So I think it's sometimes just being able to pause long enough to break it down a little bit and go, what are my options? Let's just explore the options. And is there anything I could do ahead of time that could make that situation just a little bit easier? Yeah. I was thinking that same thing is like, you know, this starts to kind of do a great setup for um, a next episode on community because Mm -hmm. I can tend to, especially just in general, look at like, well, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And I can't do it all. And I'm not good at meal prepping. I'm actually very, I don't have consistency. So I'm like organized, Mm -hmm. but I also can like let things get like bad. And then I just like, you know, like just freak out and like organize it all in the same thing at the same time. Like, you know, so I don't have like this consistent, I'm not a good maintenancer. So like a meal plan every week. I mean, I, I don't know how many meal plans have like died, but I think to myself (laughs) too, too. like, or, or working out, like I cannot work out by myself. Like I just have no motivation to ever do it. We have to consider one of the options is reaching out and relying Mm -hmm. on others and their strengths. Um, and that I think speaks to our culture. Like, I feel like there's this like tension of like, we want to help. If you, if you think about that, look at like GoFundMes, you know what I mean? Like people are just like, here, take all my money. Like people want to help. And then they never know how they never Never know know what to do. And so we all are in this place where, and that goes into something else, stepping outside yourself and being able to serve others. You know, we have, um, just as an example, there is a a woman in our co-op and her family's in the Ukraine. Mm. And like, I just, I was like, let me bring you lunch. Let me bring, what do you need? Like, you know, and it's so hard for people to say what they need, you know, and it sucks because I really want to help. And I want to do something practical because sometimes in those big things, that's what you need. When I was in the NICU with labor and delivery and then the NICU for 16 days, I needed someone to come clean my shower, but I didn't tell anybody that. Yeah. And said, I just was incredibly stressed out, you know? And, And I think, I know I have good friends that would have cleaned my shower, but they didn't know that I needed to clean, you know what I mean? Like they didn't know. Yeah. No. And so maybe let's, let's think of it this way, because I think it's really easy for someone to listen to what we're talking about, Sarah, and go, man, that sounds like, I mean, I have so much on my plate already. That just sounds like a lot of things to do. And I just can't do it all. And so I'm already tired. And so there's no way for me to be proactive 
with all the things that I feel like I'm actually reacting to on a daily basis. It's just too much and it puts more on my plate. So I I think I want to reframe this away from tasks, right? I think tasks are part of this. Like, you know, it is a task to set up a meal plan. It is a task to write, you know, your will or your eulogy or, you know, um, work on important documents that need to happen, right? That's a task. However, when we're talking about being more proactive instead of reactive, I think my challenge is for everyone to ask yourself, why? Why would I want to be more proactive and less reactive? And for me, it's a lately I've been thinking a lot about how I really would want to be in a better state of mind and a better state of heart. Um, it's not that I just don't want to react to my children with irritability. I actually want to be a better mom. I actually want to be a calmer mom, or I want to be a more loving presence that when I, I am around somebody, I've actually been doing the hard work of like picturing myself in the presence of, of any person. It could be a stranger. It could be because I think we're living in this world that's very detached. And so if I don't know you, I don't have to talk to you. And I don't, I don't need to recognize there's another human being in front of me, right? So we just tend to disregard people we don't know. I've actually been picturing myself, what would it look like for me to be a more centered, calm, loving presence that even if I am around somebody I don't know, that that's like coming off of me and they somehow feel loved and more calm and, and seen. Now that doesn't mean that I am like sitting down and having long, deep conversations with this stranger. It just means when I'm exchanging money at the register, I'm just going to hope that something about me rubs off on them, that they're like, that seemed like a really nice person, right? That maybe I just looked them in the eyes even, right? I'm just, so how do I change the state that I am personally living in, in my own internal world? And, and that means I have to do something proactively to put myself in that state or train myself to be in that state. It's a lot of all of this talk about margin. If you're part of the newsletter, um, this whole year, month to month, it is unpacking what does it look like for you to create more margin in your life? Not just so that you're just not busy all the time. That's not necessarily the goal. The goal is so that you have white space and margin in your life so that in the margin, you are doing the things that bring you peace, that you're doing the things that bring you joy. Um, and maybe that's just sitting on your back porch and watching the trees, but maybe that's picking up a hobby that you haven't done for a very long time that brought you joy. And we have a different why now because we've created this space to appreciate and it does something in us. And there's an overflow of that because I'm taking better care of myself. And because I'm investing and in filling my cup with something other than resentment and anger, right? I'm, I am filling my cup with things that are good and lovely and pure and um, beneficial that I then have more room to pause before I react. And so I think my challenge to everyone is maybe ask yourself, why would I want to be somebody who's less reactive? And then that puts a why behind the proactive things and the proactive tasks that you might need to do. So instead of, man, I'd be a whole lot less stressed on days that the shift changes, 
or my spouse can't come home and I'm too tired to cook dinner. So I'm just going to take all of Sunday to wear myself out and cook all these meals. Like that's going to be hard, at least for me to enter into a Sunday and devote it to that. But if I say, you know, I actually know how it's going to feel on that day to just know I have a freezer meal ready and I can give myself the gift of we're going to have lasagna for the third night in a row because it's there and I don't have to cook it and we're going to be fine. But that that's going to make me a better mom. It's going to, um, it's a gift to myself that I'm actually taking care of myself in that moment. That's a different state of going into that task. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a better motivator. Yeah. I would say, yeah, because it it's, well, it's visionary, right? Because yeah. that's the thing, like, okay, here's like the gardening thing coming out, like the homesteading thing is, you know, last year I put in crocuses under this tree. I don't even know what, I need to look up what kind of bush it is, but it turns yellow in the spring. And I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll put these like crocuses under here and hopefully they'll come up purple. And mm-hmm. I am not like a green thumb, but I was hoping they would hit like at the same time. But then I forgot that I had planted them. And then they came up this year and it was like, just, we, I think we just struggle in our immediate satisfaction. How does this benefit me right now? I don't have time for that. Like we're like always reacting that like, we forget that really like the natural cadence of things is sowing and seasons and waiting Mm -hmm. and, and, and visionary. And like anybody that does homestead, you've got to be planning. You can't decide in July that you want to have a garden. I mean, you kind of can, but it's not going to be a great garden Mm because you got to start way before, like in January, what am I going to grow this year? Where am I going to plant it? And there has to be a motivation behind that, but gosh, there's such a, just such a gift when you're like, wow, I thought about that and I did something and there was no instant gratification whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it came back to me, you know, and that, Mm -hmm. that is, that is in my homeschool journey recently of like years of trying to like get through reading and then watching that kid read a paper. And you're like, this is it. But you know, like, but in our instant gratification society, we're like, well, why would I do that? If it doesn't benefit me right now, you know, we've got to have that long game, you know, it makes that harvest so good. I love that so much. And I think it does require sometimes doing tasks that set us up for that. Sometimes it is a mental thing of like, Mm -hmm. how do I practice pausing more often? Franklin Covey, um, if you've ever done seven habits, there is, um, we have the, the ability to pause. He talks about things like you choose your own weather. Like, you know, we carry our weather with us. Like, you know, it's like, um, is it Linus from, Yes. Charlie Brown. That, oh, no, okay. no. The dirty one. The Where's dirty the one? one. I don't know. Pick pen. Pick pen. Pick pen. <laughs> right? Um, so ages me completely. Um, but there is, I mean, I was even thinking there's like grumpy bear. Do you remember Care Bears? There was like grumpy yeah. bear. Oh, yeah. Um, but like we carry our own. I always liked sunshine bear because it had like flowers on the camera, <laughs> you know, or a big sun. And so I think there's some truth that we carry our weather with us. And when you accept that, you realize I have control of my weather. I'm choosing <laughs> to take grumpiness with me. I'm choosing to bring joy into the situation or calm into the situation. And that takes a little bit of mental work to be able to pause and go, okay, I could choose to react to this new information of what's happening in the world and I could spiral and I could find myself getting to a really negative place or I could pause, 
form an opinion if I need to, decide what I'm going to do with that information, and then proactively enter into the world having thought it through. Um, Mm -hmm. Even the other day, there was something that was happening, and it was a really stressful situation. And I had this thought, and I actually said it out loud. I'm hoping it didn't come across as uncaring, but there was so much coming at us from the world and online, and like there's so many things to react to. I just had this thought like, you know what? It actually doesn't have anything to do with you or us, and so it really doesn't matter what our opinion is. We don't have to form an opinion on it. Like mm-hmm. we can actually mention that it happened, move forward, and not process what we actually think or feel or what our opinion is about it. No opinion is going to change that for that other person or shape what happens with them or to them or for them. It is a wasted amount of effort and energy for us to give it that much time to talk it through. You know, and there's like you and I were talking before I hit record. There's any number of things every day that is popping up on our screens with celebrities and whatever, what's happening in the moment. And like, it really doesn't matter what my opinion is. It really doesn't. It doesn't change anything. And yet we feel like we're in a place, (laughs) a place where we have to form an opinion. So sometimes mentally it is the practice, being proactive is the practice of pausing our emotions deciding our weather and asking ourselves, do I want to put myself into a state of reacting here? Or can I actually pause and choose to not react at all? Because it's not, it's not something for me to re it's not, I'm not responsible for it. Do I need to react? That that is so good. That's like revolutionary to me, but it's true because again, we've kind of been conditioned of like, well, we should have an opinion about all of it. And you're like, and you, when you think about that, even what you're saying, like, is it even my job to process this for them or whoever, because it's not even involving me. And then you're like, when you think about the word, even process, that's going to take effort. It takes time Mm -hmm. in your head. Like, and I think sometimes that's where I get to, I'm like, why are we talking about all this stupid crap? Like read a book and think about it. Like, you know, it's like, just makes me want to like ponder the deeper things of life people. Come on. Like stop being so distracted myself included. Cause I, Kenny's like, man, you're rabbit hole. One day, like I watched like four Celine Dion biographies. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but like, well, that has taken up headspace, you know? And does. so you're right. Like, and it's flexing a muscle. And so if you do it on the small things, then when those big things happen, it's not to say that you're not going to react poorly at times or still feel like taken aback, but the overall rhythm of your life is yeah. one that is more thoughtful and like purposeful. Thoughtful. And I think it took us and our family realizing that we were reacting to something every day to realize that we habitually trained our bodies to be in a reactive state. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes it is proactively, how do I take control of my body and say, no, I'm not going to react today. Whatever happens today, I'm going to move calmly through it because my body needs me to change. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes our body was on a, in a place of waiting for something to happen. And then when it would happen, we would go through the roof because mm-hmm. we had trained ourselves that something's going to happen today, uh, the next thing. So I think it is proactively choosing what I'm going to do with the energy that I have. You know, I think before social media, we were in a place where, you know, what's the things you don't talk about at the dinner table, religion, politics, you know, 
I don't know. I think there's a third thing in there, but that's to my, this is the point I'm actually trying to make is that we moved into a place where now everybody should have an opinion about religion, politics, gender identity. Like, and if you don't form an opinion, then you are unprepared for whatever conversation is going to happen online or in front of you or in passing. And so no longer is there like this protective measure around relationships where let's just not go there because it tends to be a conversation that creates division. And so let's be protective of our time or our meal or our relationship. And so we are choosing out of love and respect to not only not bring up topics that are really hard, it's not that we are unwilling to face them or form an opinion about them. It's just I'm protecting our time together and proactively saying um, our time together is not going to be about that. We've moved from that to a place of I'm going to react to all the things, form an opinion about all the things, and be prepared for a conversation about all the things. And so it's harder nowadays to go, you know what, that's a topic that really doesn't interest me. Like I remember family members going, I don't really want to talk about politics because I don't pay attention to it and it's not something that interests me. And nowadays there'd be people pointing fingers at those, you know, baby boomers and going, I can't believe you are so detached and not involved and not educated and don't have your opinion. And how are you going to be a voting member of society? And like, it's actually okay for you to say, I don't think that I have an opinion on that yet. Or... I don't think it's something that I feel qualified to actually have a conversation about. Or, well, there's a I'm good not one. There yet. Or here's one of my favorite, here's one of my favorite proactive tips. I have what I like to call emotional delay. I am so um relational in my, especially in my strengths, that when when I'm in a conversation, and let's say that conversation goes south or there's a misunderstanding or something happens, right? In the conversation, I will have emotional flooding of like shock, disbelief, disappointment, like whatever, anger, any kind of negative emotion. I get emotional flooding and I have no words coming out of my mouth. Maybe it's the opposite from what you were saying, Sarah, but like, I, I know I don't like what's happening, but I don't have the words. And then two days later, I'm like, man, I should have said da 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 right? So I learned to actually have scripts, metaphorical scripts in my pocket, metaphorical pocket, that I started like having a script of saying, you know what? This is not okay. This conversation is not okay. I'm not handling it well. You may not be handling it well. I don't know what's happening, but I just know I'm not okay with the way this is going. Can we call a timeout and come back to it later so that I'm not reacting and, and handling it poorly. And then I beat myself up later because I was forced to react and felt like I had to react instead of just use the script proactively, but you have to decide what is that script, like have two or three scripts that are like, if I'm in an argument and I don't know how I feel yet, or I, to your point, Sarah, I have all the words and I know I shouldn't say them. So I'm just going to have this script that I say, it may just be, I, you know what? Timeout. I think we need to call a timeout and come back to this. That's a script that we proactively have to decide ahead of time. This is the sentence that I'm going to say that gives me the time to calm myself. And then I can enter back in calmly. So mm-hmm. sometimes being proactive is about having good verbal scripts that you have in your pocket. And that can be for in a conflict in a relationship, but it can also be about some of these big major cultural topics 
But if you don't want to go there, that's okay. You don't necessarily have to have an opinion about everything and be a cultural expert on all the trends of what everybody's talking about and just have the script ready to say, you know, I appreciate what you're bringing up right now, but I really don't feel like I'm prepared to have the conversation. Um, and may, Or maybe I just haven't gotten to a place where I know exactly how I feel about that. So if it's okay, can we table that conversation? Maybe circle back to it some other time. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. And I think that is just, that's just revolutionary. And I think something that, I mean, I know even I need to hear of like, again, that's the temptation of like, we are, it's like, what do you think about it? What do you think about it? Well, I'm, there's a lot of things that people are giving opinions on that they're not qualified to like mm-hmm. assert those opinions as truth as, you know, and like, we've just kind of all become, I know when we first saw it in social media, like with Facebook would be like, you could check in at places. And we were, Kenny and I would joke and we would be like, who cares that you're at McDonald's? Like who cares? <laughs> but like, you know, 10 years down the road, like this has really warped our brains to think mm-hmm. that we are the be all end all official on all things that we should and are required to give our opinion on all things, you know, and it's just not, and you talk about taking up headspace and then you wonder why you're snapping at your kids. Yeah. Like, you know, like, and and it's just true. Like, and even in our relationships, you wonder why relationships are difficult to navigate um, and divisive is because then we get together and that's all we talk about too. Like, you know, and, and it's like, and our opinions are not our identity. And I think that's another thing too. Like my opinion of this is who I am. You know, it's like, well, it says something about me. Yeah. What if I'm just, I'm not trying to be like new agey here, but like, what if I'm somebody that just loves people and that just wants to be kind of a calm centered person and have those things in my life. And there are some things that I don't necessarily want to talk about or have opinions about, um, that you get to have a sense of autonomy to decide what is life-giving in my life. And that can be places, it can be relationships, it can be conversations. I mean, I just want to give permission back to people again that you have the ability to decide what is happening in your life and in your world so that you become the person that you are proud of and have all the tools and resources that you need to be somebody that you like. Right. And so how do you proactively, um, going back to creating margin, like how do I take out some of the diseased things in my life that rob me of life and joy? And I'm not necessarily saying cut off relationships unless they're very toxic and abusive, but there are other activities and things like we've, Sarah, I mean, we've totally bashed social media so much (laughs) in this season, but just talking about like, Let's examine, like, what are we inviting into our world and and how does that change how we react? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So we need to be really graceful and forgiving of ourselves when we do react in ways that we're not proud of. You know, I think we can do all of our best efforts to be proactive and set ourselves up for success. And and I hope this has given you a couple of ideas of things that you can logistically be proactive in your life to prepare for really hard days and situations. So there's logistically some tasks and some organization you can do proactively, but that you can also maybe bring some order and proactiveness to the way that you think and, and take care of your mind and your heart. And what are you filling your mind and heart with so that you are prepared um, to react in ways that you are um, in a different state to handle that situation better. 
but we're also human and we're also going to make mistakes and um, goodness gracious, like hormones alone can make us react in all kinds of ways. And that goes for men and women, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are in a constant state of stress because of on the job stress in the streets on deployment, you know, again and again, we see um, service spouses coming home with adrenal fatigue because they're spiking in adrenaline each day or every other day. And when your adrenal gland is off, it affects your cortisol. When your cortisol is off, it's a hormone. It affects all your other hormones. It can affect testosterone. It can affect progesterone and estrogen. So sometimes physiologically, um, there are things that are that are going to cause us to react in ways that we don't want to react, right? So I think that we've got to be graceful with ourselves, forgiving of ourselves, and learn how to recover. So I think, Sarah, I'm going to throw that to you and to close us out. What would you say to encourage um, those that are listening? Perhaps even this morning, you're listening to this and you reacted towards your spouse or your kids in a way that you're not really proud of. And now that you listen to this, you're going, man, it would have been nice if my mind and my heart was in a different state going into that situation. I probably would have reacted in a different way. What would you say to them? I would just say, you know, and I've heard you say it before, it's never too late to start again. I mean, we live by a thing, uh, you know, a phrase in our house and it's from the Bible, but it's, you know, his mercies are new each morning. And so we start our days like that. We did not have a good parenting day. I did not have a good parenting reaction in the morning. We did not have a good parenting day yesterday. And that is how we ended our day of like, thank God his mercies are new each morning. Mm -hmm. That means that on my kid who responded incorrectly to me and on me who responded incorrectly on him. And so it creates this just beautiful setup to to be set up for success. Because if we get so hung up on, man, I did that wrong, which I can really do. We, we we're really only setting ourselves up to just keep reacting even more worse. Cause now it's in your head. Oh, you're just so terrible. You're a terrible mother. You always do this. You always do that. And so, um, I actually do have an example of, and it is somewhat hormone related, but the other day I reacted poorly to our dog bullet wanted in. He's a giant 90 pound muddy mess. And we were all sitting at the table. He was at the back slider. I said, hold on, let me go get a towel. When, when I came back, Kenny had opened the door and let him in on the rug, which I would have never done in my controlling self. I would have made him wait till I laid down the towel because I just mopped the floors. So literally when I came, um, I came around the corner and I saw him on the rug. And then of course he got excited and got off the rug. I just went, son of a, mm, Kenny. Like I just like <laughs> screamed at him like, what? Cause I literally the day before had been like on my hands and knees. And of course he's like, why are you cussing at me? And I'm like, just flipped out about the dog and like went into this big thing of like, you don't want to wipe them off the way I do because I'm controlling it, but you're not the one that mops the floors. Like, I mean, I just like really lost my mind. And so he took him back out, cleaned him off, came back in. And I had had the time to think. And I was like, okay, that was not, but there's something that came into my head at that situation. Like, why am I acting like that Mm. is just the worst possible thing that could have ever happened is that that muddy dog got my, like, what, what's the, what's the worst that could have happened? I would have had to wipe the floor. How long long would that have taken me? Like two seconds? Like, now, could I have said some of the things of like, hey, I just, you know, next time, can you put a towel down? Because whatever. But Mm -hmm. I didn't need to do all of that and take such like personal insult. And I did it in front of our kids. 
So when he came back in, I pulled him back in to where the boys were. And I was like, pay attention. And then I looked at Kenny and of course we call each other like daddy and mommy in front of the boys. I'm like, daddy, I am sorry for cussing at you and reacting so poorly (laughs) and being disrespectful. Like, you know, and just, I wanted them to see, they saw my bad reaction. I wanted them to see Mm. me make it right. And I think that's what I have to remember is I can't always make it so that my reaction is right, but I can make it right. I can say sorry where I need to. I can try to do better next time. And that's all any of us can do. Um, Oh, I love that so much. And thank you for being vulnerable and, and revealing, um, just your humanness to those. It's one of the reasons why I love having you on the podcast with me. And I think it's a, a great message that we can start over, that we can recover, that we can learn to repair quickly. I think for me, that's the goal in relationships is not that we get it perfect, but that we learn to repair faster. Mm-hmm. And so being able over time that we learn to repair faster. And that is how do we acknowledge when we've done something wrong? Know the, I love the fact that you did it in front of the kids so that not only am I repairing, but I'm, I'm allowing accountability in my life and also allowing what happened in me to be a lesson to my kids that I'm imperfect, that I can make it right. And this is how you do that. This is what the process looks like. And then there's like an, it's an invitation to Kenny to accept that. Right. (laughs) And sometimes accepting that apology comes with an ask for change. Sometimes that happens too. Like Mm -hmm. I appreciate the fact that you're saying you're sorry, but I'm also going to ask that that doesn't happen that way again. That's hard to hear, but it's part Mm -hmm. of the repairing process. And so if we could just get more comfortable with repair has to happen. And over time, how do we move to a place where we repair quickly, which means we have to acknowledge that it's okay that we're flawed. It goes back to that in-so circle on the album cover for the podcast season. So it's a reminder that it's imperfect, that um, we're not finished yet, that there's still work to do, but we've just got to keep moving forward. And I so love that message of waking up with new mercies, starting over, um, re-engage re-engage, right? Um, Make some new decisions in your life, um, wherever you're at. How do I enter into this day differently based off of what yesterday felt like? What can I learn from yesterday? Sarah, I'm so thankful for you. I loved this topic today. I hope it was um, meaningful and helpful to those of you who are listening. And I hope you're enjoying the season. So um, reply, send us an email, let us know what you've been thinking. And if you're learning from this as much as I know Sarah and I are. So Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. We keep things pretty simple around here and don't include sponsors so that you can get our focused attention. So please subscribe, leave us a quick review, or share it with other service families you know. If you would like more information or want to connect, you can find out more by going to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org for tons of content and resources. Don't forget, we are taking a break from social media and encouraging you to create more margin in your life as well.